is 20 now. Now, my memory is that she was maybe four or five years old. And we had gone to my brother's property. He lives out at Cottles Bridge on a, on a bush country property. And the two families were together and we'd driven out into the bush and um, all the kids were playing and there was, a, there was a dam and the kids were just playing around. And um, I think um, Deb was sitting there chatting with Bron, my sister-in-law, and my brother Stewie and I, we were cutting wood with the chainsaws. And um, so he had a chainsaw, I had a chainsaw. We're cutting wood, we got, you know, so, and like you, you have to be careful with chainsaws, hey? Like I, I, I've got other chainsaw stories I can tell you as well. Um, and um, one of them involved my brother getting 37 stitches in his, in his hand and wrist. And it was from a chainsaw that I was operating. Uh, so I've got other stories I can tell you. Anyway, but um, that said, um, Jeff tends to be a bit careless sometimes with these things. So I'm chopping away and I'm working on this, this big, big log, you know. And where my brother and I are up sort of the top of the hill and the dam's down there. And so what you really, you know, you have to be careful. Like, and so, but I'm chopping the, I'm, I'm cutting them and you really, you should secure them in that situation because they're round and they can roll, yeah? You understand? Like, and really you should secure them. But if, you, if you're a bit lazy, what you do is you think I'll cut a few at a time and then I'll secure them. So I cut this one and it started to roll down the hill. And I thought, oh, it'll be all right. And then I looked down and I could see where it was rolling towards. My little four or five-year-old daughter, Haley, playing with her best friend and her cousin, little four or five-year-old Rochelle, right beside the dam. And this log's going, and, like, and the longer I watched, and it seemed like it went for minutes, the, the longer I watched, I realized that log is rolling straight towards them. Like that log, if it doesn't kill them, and I'm serious, if it doesn't kill them when it hits them, it'll, it'll certainly knock them flying into the water. <sighs> Man, like I just dropped the chainsaw. Like don't even think about it. And I'm sprinting down the hill at 100 miles an hour. Um, and, and the logs just get in there and I just, just, I mean, Rochelle looked up and saw it coming and stepped out of the way. Haley, she was totally oblivious to it. She had her back to it. She was just as happy as can be, innocent, playing beside the, the water. And all I managed to do, like, because I couldn't stop the log, I managed to just, I managed to just touch it enough that it, that it, it, it stopped the force, you know, but it still kept going, but it stopped the force. And it, it, it knocked Haley. it knocked her straight into the water, but I was right there by that stage. I'll tell Haley afterwards that you laughed at that. You're laughing at me. But because I was right there, I was able to just jump in at like, I mean, she was only in the water for, you know, no longer than maybe two or three seconds, you know. Um, you know, when things just like, oh man, like, it's all just too fast and too scary. Um, yesterday, yesterday afternoon, I spoke for about an hour 
on the phone with, with Norman Denler. Norman's the president of Kids International Ministries in the Philippines. And honestly, friends, for the first 45 minutes of that conversation, probably all I got to say was, hey, Norman. And he just talked flat out. You know what he was telling me? He's telling me about all the things that are happening with Kids International Ministries right at the moment. And like, you could tell, he was just bursting out of his skin telling me about all these things. You know, like, I can't comment too publicly on it yet, you know, but like one particular thing he told me about, it's gonna work, we just gotta, you know, the board's just gonna have to sign off and then it'll become public knowledge. And it's like, whoa! Like, good news, good news, good news. Uh, you know, and I got to the end and I go, and he got to the end, I go, Norman, Norman, whoa! You know, and, and he sort of, like he finally drew breath and I'm like, Norman, when I get off the phone, I'm not even gonna be able to remember all the good things you told me. You know when things are just good, 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 and they're just happening, happening, happening. You know, I often think about, you know, because we've got some midwives in this church and, and we know people like my daughter's one of them and Rachel and, um, and Catherine, they're, they're, they're training to be midwives. I think about a labor ward in a hospital. And you think about that, like it's noisy, isn't it? Like, have you ever heard some of the noises that come from a labor ward? It's noisy. And then I imagine like it's messy and it's unpredictable and you don't really know what's gonna happen, but like it sure is exciting because there's all this new life that's coming. And often these ways that I've just described to you, that's the way I feel about church often. I feel that about here. Like, oh, like honestly, I don't wanna boast and be proud, but I reckon God's given me the best job in the world. You know, um, now that the best job in the world would be to be a pastor, right? I, like I, I just think it's it's the best. But I get to be do the best job in the world in what like in what I honestly honestly think is like the best church in the world. You know, um, and Mill Park Baptist Church. Sorry if that's proud. And it gets more and more exciting and there's more and more good things happening and we see God answering our prayers more and more and we have a day like we had yesterday with the leadership group sitting in the meeting room and you just walk away just so totally energized with a smile from ear to ear. God routinely takes my breath away. And I don't mean that this church is better than all the others, but I'll tell you what, it's a great church. God's doing a lot of good things. Now, left to my own devices, are you like this? Sometimes I feel like it could be a heavy log that's got a life-destroying, life-maiming capacity rolling at increasing momentum down a hill, a steep, slippery hill. And this could all be pear-shaped in a heartbeat. So here we are, it's right at the start of 2022. It's gonna happen. <laughs> How's it gonna play out? Well, we can get some ancient parallels. We're not the first people in this situation. Um, especially with, I don't wanna tell you a fairy tale this morning. We're gonna, we're gonna read a true story. Like it really happened. You've probably heard of Elijah and then his successor, you know, when Elijah 
handed over the baton, it was to Elisha, Elijah, Elisha. Um, both of these men were in their time God's spokesman to the northern kingdom of Israel. The religious climate in the land at this time, especially in Elisha's time, even more so than Elijah's, it was rolled up and it was corrupt and it was diverse and it was troubling and it was divided. And in short, in that setting, people were not overly interested or invested in living life like God intended them to live. And if you read the early days of Elisha's work, you're gonna see him doing things like he, he throws a jar of salt into rotten water and God uses that to purify the water. You, you see him cursing this, this group of young men. I mean, he's walking by, the young men had mocked him and said, <laughs> like this is in the Bible, can you imagine mocking someone like this these days? Go up, you bald head. Like, I don't even know if I'd find that offensive because I think I don't even know what it means, you know? But like, go up, you bald head. Anyway, so he curses them. Two bears come out of the woods, tear 42 of these confident, arrogant young lads to shreds. And he'd moved in royal circus too. He'd been counselling and advising kings, like the kings of, at one stage, Israel, Judah, Edom, three nations working together. And he counselled them together, leading them to a resounding victory over Moab. He had raised a dead boy to life. I mean, he's a walking sideshow, this guy. And he's God's man. He had healed Naaman, who was the, the captain of the army of the king of Aram. And Naaman had leprosy back then, that, that's that ugly, consuming, life-sucking, stigmatized, socially outcast disease. And he'd, Naaman had heard that, that Elisha might have the power to heal him, so he'd gone to see him, and Elisha did just that for him. Pro bono, no charge, just a good measured healing. And God used him to save Naaman's life, not to mention his dignity and his career and his social acceptance. And then it's not so long after that story, or sorry, after our story that we're going to look at this morning, um, it's not so long that, that, you know, like because we're standing here on the cusp of 2022, um, the one that we, that we said, you know, like taps into that feeling that we have sometimes of, wow, it's good, but whoa, whoa. And here's the story that happens. Aram, it's otherwise known as Syria. They're at, at war with Israel. Aram, the Aramites, they have a, Arameans, I'm sorry. They, they, they have a top secret national security cabinet meeting. All the four-star generals together. And what they're doing is they're plotting, they're just plotting this, where they will place their camp. Ready to attack the Israelites. But it's top secret, it's classified because they don't want to get that getting out to anyone. No one can know the outcome of their meeting. And then somehow in that, Elisha, remember, he's a walking sideshow, but he's a man of God. Somehow, I mean, he knows exactly what's happening in those meetings and acting as God's man. Then he's keeping the king of Israel, whose name is Joram, he's keeping him informed of the necessary facts. So Joram then, you see they're having a national security meeting. Okay, we'll plot out, we'll put our camp there. Meanwhile, Joram hears all about it. So he sends his troops and they get there before they get there. 
Look at this in 2 Kings chapter 6. If you've got your Bible, look on, read on. Look at this. The king of Aram, you know, when, when he gets there and the Israelites are already there, he became very upset over this. He called in his officers and demanded, which one of you is the traitor? Who is selling me out? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my Lord, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. And here's where the going gets tough, friends. Listen in, the log's hurtling down the hill. It's feeling out of control. It's like the birthing suite in the maternity hospital, loud, messy, unpredictable. And it's at the same time, it's, it, it, like it's, it's dangerous, but it's also life-giving. And now the king's saying, you go find that Elisha guy and eliminate him as a threat. They do their research. They find out where he's supposed to be in Dothan, little city on a hill, 10 or so miles north of Samaria. So the Syrian king swings his troops into action. Look at this in verse 14, 2 Kings 6. So one night, he sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. Elisha, meantime, the story is, and his servant, his servant's name is Gehazi, and they're asleep in the tent. Winston Churchill once called sleep, you know, he, he, I love this, um, he called sleep blessed oblivion. And there's no blessed oblivion like the blessed oblivion in a tent, is there? especially when there's a little drizzle outside. Not much fun setting a tent up or packing it up in the rain, but if it's raining and you're in the tent, this is good. Elisha's snoring, I imagine. Gehazi wakes up first. He's quiet. He unzips the fly slowly and carefully. Well, he probably didn't. I don't know if they had zips in those days, you know, but he finds a way to get out and then he just pokes his head out the tent door. And pretty quickly he realises this is one of those mornings you wish you didn't wake up. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses and chariots everywhere. <laughs> so now, just as quick, even quicker, he ducks back in the tent. Elijah by now, maybe, I don't know, he's just, I think he's just lying there in his sleeping bag um, on his lilo um, Yawning, and if you're one of your new age glampers, like he's got a little stretcher or something, you know, but you don't need one of those, you just need a lilo. But anyway, whatever he's sleeping on, he's yawning, he's stretching, and look what the servant says Ah, oh, my Lord, what will we do now? What do we do now? Pastor Jeff, what will, what will we do now? Pastor Catherine, you, you work for us here at Mill Park Baptist Church for four days a week and you're going to take three of them and you're going to leave us and go to Donnybrook. Hey, how can you do that? What do we do now? What do we do without Catherine? Pastor Noah, you're there, aren't you? Pioneering, did you know pioneering the first Korean speaking church anywhere north of the city of Melbourne. Pastor Noah, what do we do now? Rajiva, he's up there. The treasurer, what do we do? 
Rajiva! Rajiva, you grow money on trees in your backyard, don't you? What will we do? Because our Mill Park Baptist Church purpose statement, I mean, here it is, take a look at it. We say that it explains why we exist. And in a broad sense, what we hope to achieve, look at it. We exist as Jesus' followers to know, love and serve God in our world. And actually, because I know that can roll off your tongue. You've seen that a thousand times before. If you've been here a thousand days, you've probably seen it a thousand times. And, and so that can roll off your tongue real easy. But, but, but look at it with me and, and just, just look inside. And, and like that's actually flat out scary. That's imposing. It's, it's demanding. It's life altering. It's all consuming. Like if, you, if we do that, that is countercultural. Do you know in the next few days, on the 17th of February here in Victoria, the Change or Suppression, the Conversion Prohibition Act 2021 is going to come into law here in Victoria. You know that? Do you know that the, um, the, the, the part of the Equal Opportunity Religious Exceptions Amendment Bill 2021, that's most likely going to take effect around the middle of the year. And in that environment, we're going to know, love and serve God in our world. <laughs> Help us. And it's all happening while we're supposed to be coming out of this crazy COVID pandemic. Look at this. If you want to feel sorry for pastors, look at this. What seminary prepares you for, throwing a ball up and down in the air. What ministry really is, juggling a few of them. And look what ministry is in 2022. My Lord, what will we do now? And all this time, I imagine, here is Elisha leisurely snugged up in his beanbag, in his sleeping bag, yawning, stretching. Gehazi's hyperventilating. In fact, he's in sheer terror. And, and looking at the circumstances, why wouldn't he be? Like friends, they're surrounded. Now you've got pressure in front of you too, haven't you? Might be nothing to do with church. And, and you've got pressure behind you, beside you, above you, below you. And, and, and now near what many epidemiologists are confidently naming as the beginning of the end of this pandemic, as the church emerges like Gehazi out the door of the tent, and, and, and you go to a church and, and this church, like it doesn't want to wind down their operations in this time to try and survive, but instead it lets God wind them up. And then we, we try and explore and dream and listen to Jesus. <laughs> no wonder you're feeling it. No wonder I'm feeling it. Apparently though, like, Keep reading the story. Maybe Elisha's lacking in emotional intelligence or he's not really self-aware. Maybe he's just not on the ball. Because he says, don't be afraid. What? You, you kidding me, Elisha? Don't be afraid. Do you want to take a look at the door of the tent? We're surrounded, man. Don't be afraid. There's enemy troops out there, Elisha. They're armed to the teeth. 
afraid? And then he keeps talking. He says, there are more on our side than on theirs. Oh, yeah? Gehazi's thinking, Elisha, you haven't even looked outside yet, like I have. And there's no one on our side out there, my friend. We are overwhelmingly outnumbered. We cannot do this. And if we're fair income here about being a, a community of Jesus following people who exists, the reason they're there is to know and love and serve God in their world. You just spend a few minutes, my friend, pondering the far-reaching implications of that and you'll be going weak at the knees. But Elisha's not so stupid after all because he knows what Gehazi's thinking and he loves Gehazi even though he's fear-bound. And he knows Gehazi. He's okay. He just needs to learn. So then Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Oh, oh Abba, Father. Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh. That means the God who provides. Open our eyes this morning so we can see. Your big, big plans for us this year. For, for our church, yeah. And we pray routinely. We, 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 want, we want these big, big plans for every other church too. It's not just, not just here, not at all. And, and not just for our church, but for every person who makes up our church family. For our teams and for people in our community and in our city and in our country and in the farthest parts of our world. Like, remember, countries like Morocco and Saudi Arabia, where people this afternoon, our time, will tune in to listen to the good news of Jesus preached in our Arabic service here this afternoon at one o'clock. In two of the most enclosed, secured Muslim enclaves in the world. For people like a guy I know in country Victoria, three, three and a half hours from here, who maybe doesn't know Jesus yet and who is not part of a church up there, but who has adopted Mill Park Baptist Church during this COVID couple of years and now almost every Sunday, he knows who he is if you're watching today, buddy. Tunes in and does church with us. Oh Lord, open our eyes and let us see. Look at this, here's what God says. Now, glory be to God by his mighty power Within us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than all we could ever even dare to ask or to hope. So you think up your biggest possible pipe dream and what that's saying is God can, by his mighty power working within you, accomplish infinitely more than that. May he be given glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever through endless ages. Amen. The church... Jesus said to Peter, he said, you're Peter upon this rock. Peter, his name's Cephas in the Greek. It actually means rock. So Peter, upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I am sure 
the Apostle Paul says, that he who began the good work in you, he's not gonna give up now, he'll continue his work until it's finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus came back again. Open his eyes, Jehovah Jireh, so he can see. And open, open these people's eyes so they can see a, a glimpse of what you want to do and not just, not just like you would like to do it if you could, but the power and the autonomy and the enabling and the provision by which you'll do it. Just a few years back, we've done this every five years for the last 15 years. We're due to do it again this year now, but we gathered lots of us together. Anyone who could come along did. We gathered over several weeks. We prayed, we brainstormed, we listened, we learned. And here's what we discerned. And here's the sort of thing that we're doing, all right? Just as a reminder of this this morning, our vision. So when we talk about our vision, there's all sorts of, there's a lot of popular talk about, you know, vision and mission and purpose and values, that sort of stuff. And like, like I wrote for the memo this week, we, like that's, that's, we, we don't want that to be gobbledygook around here. You know, it's just this, all this nice pep corporate talk. That's not what we want. Like what we mean by that, when we say our vision, this is the sort of church we believe God wants us to grow towards. It was 2018 and beyond. And so this year is the fifth year of that. So here, here's the picture, friends. This year, this is the sort of church that we believe God wants us to grow towards. All right, read it in that line. First thing, we yearn for each one of our people to be growing And one of the primary ways we do this is through our life groups. We yearn for each one of our people to be coming to know Jesus, growing towards maturity in Him, knowing, loving, and serving Him more authentically. So the word that we use for that is growing. We don't mean by growing that we're getting bigger and bigger and bigger and there's lots and lots of more people here. Whether or not that happens is up to God. What we want is for everyone who's part of our church to be growing you included, right? And then the next part is we love being an increasingly multi-ethnic church. Take a look around you now and see some of the nations that are represented here this morning with people from many different nations in our family and we desire all the more of this and to have our multi-ethnicity vitally involved in all aspects of our church, including our leadership. And we long to be, the third one, so, that, so we've got growing, multi-ethnic, and then the third one is spirit-filled. We long to be a church where the Holy Spirit is given no limitations, where He is free to move in us and change us whenever and however He chooses. In other words, we don't choose that, He does. And where all His gifts operate in complete freedom. And then we want to be outward looking. This is important. We acknowledge that our church does not just exist for us. We're not here today for our sake. We acknowledge that our church does not just exist for us, but that it is our community where we meet, where we gather, we meet and we interact. We're doing that right now. We're energized by God together as we worship, as we listen to the Word of God, as we, as we take communion. We're energized by God together. We spend time together, all right? And then at the end of that time, we're released into our everyday circles to influence them with the love of Jesus. So we're here with a purpose. And we're desperate for this recognition and passion to infect all we are and do. We want to grow to be more like that this year again. 
outward looking. And the final one, missional. We decisively aim for our passion for missions to grow all the more so that our giving to missions is always increasing at an astounding rate. In other words, we're given more and more and more cash to missions every year, more, 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 more. We send out missionaries. We constantly also provide short-term cross-cultural mission exposure opportunities for our people. And we live to know that the good news of Jesus is being taken into all the world. It's the word mission. Oh Lord, oh Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, open our eyes so we can see. This year, 2022, please open all our individual eyes. Please open you know, the, the eyes of each family. Open our churches, like all of us together as a, as a church, open our eyes. Just, just give us a picture, just give us a glimpse of what you want to do and of what you want us to do to cooperate with you, with your mighty power working within us. We've discerned, we think you want us to be a church that's growing. So all its people are growing. They're disciples who are making disciples. We wanna believe, we believe you want us to be like a multi-ethnic church. So all the nations represented, including in our leadership bodies. And a multi-ethnic church that understands and reflects God's heart for all the nations of the world including the just over one third of our world's population as I speak to you this morning, who has never, ever heard the name of Jesus. And they never, ever will hear the name of Jesus until someone goes and tells them. A spirit-filled church where the Holy Spirit really, truly does work in freedom. He's not held back. He's not hosed down. He's not stifled. Rather the opposite. He's encouraged. He's listened to and he's responded to. And it's an outward-looking church. It's, 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 not a, it's not a country club, you know, where, where people roll up on Sunday mornings and they just feel great to be together and they get their religious fix and they do what Karl Marx said. He said that religion is the opiate of the masses. It's the drug that just makes people feel good. So they go to church, they live however they want for the week and then they turn up at church and they feel good and we just stroke each other. And we, you know, we kiss babies and pat people on the back and say, oh, it's great to be together. God bless you. And then we go home and we feel really good about ourselves. We don't want to be a church like that. No, 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 no. A church whose people know that they do get to be part of this awesome family and they feel incredibly privileged to do it, just like I said to you at the start. But it's a family, friends, listen to this, that exists for the benefit of the people who aren't yet part of the family. And it's a missional family because every year it's like drop the jaw on the ground. The mission budget just went up again. What? And it sends out missionaries like our friend and brother Donovan who just left just, just a bit over a week ago now on the, um, on the uh, I'm just having a mental blank. What's the name of the ship? The Logos Hope, the Logos Hope. He just left on the ship and he's, 
And look at this. You belong to God, my dear children. If, if you know Jesus, you belong to God. You've already won your fight with the false prophets because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. And you think about, we won't go through these in details. You think about our values, my friends. You think about these. Things like biblical truth, celebration, our 10 values. And we say that they express what we're trying to do and be in our church's daily life. They are very much alive, active and meaningful. They're not in some, in some folder sitting up on a shelf. It's like, no, we want them to, we're not saying that we got them yet, but we really want them to be there. Biblical truth, celebration, community, discipleship, family, integrity. I just, I believe in integrity so strongly. I just said that to Norman when I spoke to him on the phone yesterday. I said, Norman, as long as we continue to prize integrity and seek after humility. And Norman, integrity, integrity, Integrity. As long as we keep on seeking God and seek to be the people He wants us to be, He's going to keep this work going, Norman. He is. And mission, obedience is a value, prayer and worship. Open our eyes, Jesus. We want to see and we want to see what's real and we want to see what's true. <laughs> like objectively we can say can you say this with me this morning we don't just want to see what we want to see because it might feel good when we see it and it might like you know it might have some some pleasure and some niceness in it but it will lead to dissatisfaction to depression and to destruction Jesus, help us to see. So Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened his servant's eyes. Pray with me now, friends. O Holy Spirit, O Lord, O Jesus, O God Most High, O El Shaddai, O Jehovah Jireh. Open our eyes, please. Open our eyes, please. Please open our eyes this morning. so that we see like you see. And when that servant looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Is that worth a hand for God, friends? That one, like this is God. This is the God. This is the God who calls us to all that vision, friends.
thanks be to God. And if, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm just sensing a prompt from the Spirit of God now. If I have said or done anything, any words or in a particular way that I've said them, body language or tone or anything now, that conveyed to you any sense whatsoever of pride in me or of ungodly pride in our church. Would you forgive me for that? Because that's, that's not at all the message. The message is that only thanks be to God, only by God's grace, no other way would Jeff Shepherd ever be who God needs him to be or would Mill Park Baptist Church ever be what God needs us to be only by God's grace friends so any pride in there that you've heard or detected please would you forgive me thanks be to God I'm looking forward to 2022